Amen. Thank you. That was beautiful and wonderful, wonderful truth. All is well because we have the Lord. Take your Bible. Let's go to 1 Corinthians and chapter number 3, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll start to read with verse 9, go down to verse 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I've got some bad news. The semester is not going to be able to end on Tuesday. We're not going to be able to uh, finish all of our classes. Somehow, all of you got enrolled in a class that we forgot about. And so we can't, we can't end the semester because the course is not complete. I apologize. It, it, didn't, it didn't get on your portal. It, it somehow just it, it slipped past us. Have you heard of the course Christianity 901? Now, it's a high-level course. The 900 number would indicate that. I apologize that I'm going over the syllabus at the end of the semester. I mean, I, I realize it's finals week, and we're just now getting to the syllabus. But I would ask you to please notice several important items in the course syllabus, Christianity 901. The first item in this syllabus that sticks out to me here in 1 Corinthians 3 is there is a requirement for enrollment. You see, there is a prerequisite that is required. In verse number 11, it says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. To take this class in Christianity 901, there is a prereq. And that prerequisite is a foundation. You can't get in the class without it. It is foundational. You cannot pass a course in Christianity without being a Christian. You must be born again. 
An awful lot of people today try to live the Christian life without being a Christian. And this prerequisite that is required is based on a personal relationship. This is not a religious class. Uh, this is not some aptitude test. Uh, this is not uh, some homework assignment. No, this is a relationship. See, see, way back in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, God said, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. So way back in Isaiah, God is talking about this, this foundation. He's talking about this stone, this tried stone, this precious cornerstone. Well, what is that? What, what is the foundation of what we believe? What is the foundation of why we're here? What is the foundation of Christianity? Is it going to church? Is it being a good person? Is it, is it uh, uh, fulfilling a certain amount of tasks? What is the foundation? Well, Paul answers that in Ephesians 2 and verse 20 when he says we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. You see, Isaiah, 600 years prior to the birth of Christ, was prophesying the importance of this prereq. He was, he was emphasizing the fact that all of us need a foundation for our life. Peter, preaching in Acts chapter 4, said, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, the stone which uh, the builders rejected. The same is made the head of the corner. You see, Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the pre prerequisite for living the Christian life. You must have a personal relationship with him. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I was preaching up in the northeast corner of Indiana some years back, and, and uh, there were some college students in the church that were attending the Triune University. Triune University is located up in that northwest corner of Indiana in the, in the city of, of, of Angola. And uh, it's, it, it, it reaches into Michigan and Ohio and Indiana, and students come uh, from that area to that small uh, triune university. And there were about six college students that had reached through that church that were attending faithfully. And all of them were in the same program. They were all in a science uh, 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 degree. And so we're, we're kind of close-knit together. One had gotten saved and reached out to the friends. And, and they, they, they'd kind of all uh, gotten saved around the same time. And they were on fire for the Lord. And during the revival, they got concerned about one of their professors. This professor was a Chinese man, and he had three earned PhDs. He was a brilliant man. He was a man that these students greatly admired because of his, his expertise in the fields that they were studying and, and progressing in. And he was a very nice man, a very helpful kind of an instructor, and, and uh, uh, was mentoring these students in their, in their program, of course. And, and so they got burdened for him, and they got to talking about it one night after church. And they said, you know, let's invite him to come with us. Let's invite him to this revival. Let's see if he'll come. They had talked to him a little bit about the Lord, but he had told them that he was uh, not interested, that he had his beliefs and didn't really want to talk about it at the college there and maybe felt that he couldn't or whatever. And so he kind of would always dismiss it. 
Well, they, they, they went to him the next day. All six of them went into his office, and he said, what can I do for you? And they said, we'd like to invite you to come with us tonight to a service, uh, to, a, to a service at our church, and listen to a, to a message. Well, he, he loved these students and appreciated them, and, and, uh, and he said, uh, okay, I'll, 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 I'll give it some thought. He said, what time is it? Where is it? And he got the directions and all those things. And the next night, it was a Tuesday night, he showed up. And he was a very dignified man. He was, a, he was a very cordial man. He was a very polite person, very professional, dressed in a, in a suit and tie. I mean, he, was, uh, he, he, was, uh, he obviously looked the part of, a, uh, of someone that was uh, uh, very highly educated, uh, handled himself very, very well. Did not participate in the singing. He did not know the hymns. He just, but he stood very politely and, and, and smiled and, and, and uh, greeted people as they would greet him and so on. And I got up to preach and I, I preached out of this text. I preached out of the fact that all of us need a foundation for our life. And throughout the message, I asked the question, which had been my proposition, guys, do you have a foundation? You may be religious, you, you may have a, a nice family, you may have a good job, you, you may have uh, some things in life that are set, but do you have a foundation for it all? Do you have the Lord Jesus Christ? And I, I preached about the foundation being the Lord Jesus Christ. He came back the next night. And at the invitation on Wednesday night, he came forward. And he got saved. And after the service, I was talking with him, and he said, Mr. Getsch, he said, I was here last night. I said, yes, sir, I, I'm aware of that. He said, you preached about that foundation. And he said, uh, you kept asking us, do you have a foundation? Do you have a foundation? And he said, I, I got to thinking about that. He said, I thought, well, I, I, I have a great education. I, I, I'm doing exactly what I want to do with my life. I, I love my job. I, I'm making six figures. I, I, I have a retirement plan. I, I have a beautiful home. I, I have a wonderful wife. I, I have children. I, I have a, a new car I'm driving. I, 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 I have uh, things that I've written that have been published. I, he said, I, I, I started listing all these things I had, but he said, I, I couldn't figure out if I had a foundation. And he said, you kept asking the question, and I just, I, I couldn't answer it. I, I just didn't know if, I, if any of these things qualified really as a foundation. And he said, I, I'm, I was driving home last night, and he said, I kept asking myself, do you have a foundation? Do you have a foundation? He said, I got home, and I, I, I talked to my wife for a minute, and she was kind of tired and decided to go on to bed, and I went in my study. I have a study in my home, and I sat there, I was trying to get some things prepared for the next day's classes, and I, I'm sitting there trying to focus, but all I could think about was, do I have a foundation? Do I have a foundation? And he said, I, I just couldn't answer that question. He said, finally, I thought, I, I'm not getting anything done here. I might as well just go to bed. And so about 11 o'clock, he said, I went upstairs and I crawled into bed, but he said, I could not go to sleep. He said, I just kept tossing and turning and thinking, do I have a foundation? Do I have a foundation? He said, finally, I woke my wife up. And I said, honey, do we have a foundation? She had no idea what I was talking about. She hadn't been in the service, and so she kept falling back to sleep, and I kept laying there. 
He said, finally, four o'clock this morning, I hadn't slept. He said, I finally thought I might as well get up and go to school. He said, I, I got up, I got dressed, I, I came to the school. I thought if I get in my office, I'll be able to concentrate and focus on what needs to be done today. But he said, I just sat there and I kept thinking, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I do. I'm not sure. I, I, I have all this stuff, but I'm not sure. He said, all day I'm teaching my classes, I'm talking to students, and this question kept haunting me. Do you have a foundation? He said, finally, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, I came to the conclusion, no, you don't, and you need one. And he said, I came tonight, and I got the foundation. I got Jesus Christ. Young people, listen to me. Do you have a foundation? I'm aware of what you have. But do you have a foundation? You have a lot of things in place in your life, but do you have this relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, once we're enrolled in this course, how do we pass? I mean, the prerequisite in is we have to have Jesus Christ. We have to have a foundation. We have to have the Lord as our Savior to start taking this course in Christianity 901. But then how do we pass the course? Well, notice the rubric explained. Brother England would be so proud. But notice the rubric explained. There's a challenge made in verse number 10. He says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but here's the challenge, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. There's a challenge made here in the onset of this rubric as he explains how to pass this course, what's required. He says salvation is the start. You've got to have the foundation in verse 10. But now in verse, uh, the latter part of the verse, he says he challenges us as we begin to build our life as a Christian. I wonder what have you built this semester. The shepherds built a home when they came here to Lancaster, and in that process, several times in talking with Brother Shepherd, in that process, I would, I, would, I would say something about his house, or he would say something about his house, and I know for a fact that probably every day, or at least every other day, he would drive by that lot to see if anything had been accomplished. And especially as that, that framework begins to go up and it begins to take shape and, and, and maybe uh, he and his wife would go over there and maybe the kids, and they'd, they'd maybe walk through it or kind of take a look. Oh, here's where your room's going to be and here's where this is going to happen. And, and they began to watch that building go up and they could look back to when it was just an empty lot to, to then the foundation being laid and then, the, the, then the, the, the walls beginning to go up and the roof was going on and, 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 and then it was beginning to get looking closed and the doors and the windows Look, can you look back on this semester and see some progress in your life spiritually? Maybe when you came as a brand new freshman, it was just kind of an empty lot. And you thought, man, I just want to be trained. I just want to uh, grow in my Christian life. I just want to get in a Bible college where I can do what's right and, and, and see what God will do with my life. Okay, here we are now. We're a semester in. Can you look back? and see something that's being built in your life. Have you spoken to the instructor? 
since you enrolled? Have you studied the text for the class? Or as the text sat on the shelf? Have you had any discussion with others in the course to maybe get some help in those things that you're encountering in the course? Have you experimented with any of the material that you've received in the course? Have you done all the quizzes? Have you passed the tests? Are you working on any of the projects? See, it's a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing to have the foundation. It's a wonderful thing to, to know you're on your way to heaven. But now, hey, we're enrolled in Christianity 901. There is a text. It's to be read. And it's the kind of text that must be read over and over and over and over. And you got to talk to the instructor because he's the one who wrote the text. He can explain it. He can guide you through it. You got to work on the projects. You got to take the tests. There are tests. There are quizzes. Some of them are announced in advance. Some of them are not. Some of them just kind of come out of left field. They kind of hit when you're not expecting it. There's a challenge here that's made. And then notice the choice of materials. In verse number 12, he lists six resources here for us in this course. We can build upon gold. We can build with silver. We can build with precious stones or wood or hay or stubble. It would seem on quick glance here of these materials that some might be more reliable than others. Uh, some might be harder to obtain than others. Some might take a little bit more time to achieve or to find or to activate. But the choice of materials in how we build becomes very important. I was preaching in a ministry, and this church had grown quite quite a bit, and they had started a Christian school, and it began to grow. They were in a large metropolitan area. They were reaching people, and young families were getting saved, and children were coming into their church, and they realized the necessity for a Christian school, and it began to grow. They began to build some buildings, classrooms, and things of that nature, and ultimately they realized they needed a gymnasium, a place where they could have their sports, and, 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 and it would double as a cafeteria and uh, some activity area for the church as well. And so they, they started into a pretty massive uh, building project, raised a lot of money, and, and uh, had a campaign, a stewardship campaign, and began to raise the money, and pretty soon they began to build. And it was, it was a, a structure that really dominated much of the landscape of their campus because it was going to be kind of a multi-purpose type of of a building with some classrooms on the sides and offices. And so it was quite an undertaking. And they, of course, hired some contractors to do the various work. And unbeknownst to them, the gym walls were built of cement block 
And the design of those walls was that every so many blocks, I don't know what the distance was, I'm not really a construction kind of a person, but every so many blocks, they would fill those blocks with cement. They would pour cement down these blocks in order to create these, these solid pillars within the walls. So that, you know, blocks are hollow on the inside when you lay block, but they would fill like columns of these blocks with, with cement in order to make the wall stronger every, every so many feet. And that was supposed to support the roof and so on. Well, unbeknownst to them, as they were doing this process, they got the walls up, now they're gonna fill these blocks with cement every so many feet. And so the, the big booms came in with the cement to pour the cement down into these, these blocks. But the, the guy, the, the contractor for that particular part of the building was a crook. And he was getting paid for a certain amount of cement. It was gonna take a lot of cement to fill all those blocks. And he was getting paid for that, but he decided to, to stuff those blocks with some cardboard and, and things like that down at the bottom and then fill the top with cement and then just level it off. So in reality, those so-called pillars that were supposed to be filled with cement were filled with paper with some cement on the top to make it look like, and they passed inspection. But when they put the roof on that building, the whole thing collapsed. Now, fortunately, it was still in the construction phase where no one was there when it collapsed. Imagine had that building been completely finished and children inside and maybe playing a basketball game and spectators and whatever, when all of a sudden that building collapses. Why? Because of the wrong choice of material. Be pretty dangerous to build walls out of paper. It'd be pretty dangerous to use wood, hay, and stubble, you see, to build a building that's going to last. And it would seem, as we look at this, this challenge that's made and this choice of materials, it would appear that there's a critical motive involved here as well. It seems that motive is involved here. As Paul makes this challenge in the syllabi that, that we've got to take heed how we build, the, the, the idea of taking heed how we build would, would seem to indicate some motive. Why are we building? What is the purpose of this construction? For whose glory is this for? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. If we're not careful as a Christian in this course, Christianity 901, we can be doing the right things for the wrong reasons. We, we can be going about the right duties. We can be reading the text. We can be talking to the instructor. We can be interacting with others in the course. We can be working on our projects. We can do, be, be doing all these things required to, to pass, but for the wrong reason. Pride and self-glory and self-interest and, and, and perhaps a, a desire to have authority or, or something can creep in. And, and God says that we should do all to the praise of his glory. As John the Baptist aptly said, he must increase, but I must decrease. There's a critical motive involved here. But at some point in this process of taking Christianity 901, 
there is a rigorous exam. There's a requirement for entrance. There's a rubric that's explained, but notice the rigorous exam. We are in that process this week, are we not? And this course has a rigorous exam. In verse 13, we come to a finished task. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Remember in verse number nine, he said, we are God's building. We are a work in process. We are progressing toward a finished product. We're not finished yet. We are his workmanship. We're being worked on. We're in the course. It's not going to end on Tuesday with, with Old Testament survey. It's not going to uh, uh, get off the portal when we register for new classes in the spring. It's still going to be there. But at some point, there's a, there's a finishing of this course, a finished task. And no late projects are accepted. There's no deferral of the exam. It won't matter what else is on your schedule. It won't matter uh, what else you have to do. It, it won't matter how you feel that day. There is no deferring of the exam. At that moment, we will have a finished task. All that has been required of us in this course, whatever point we are in reading the text or speaking to the instructor or working on the project or making it through the test, it doesn't matter where we are. When, when, when he calls for the exam, all work is turned in. That's why Solomon said, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. This course will end. We don't know when. It might end before Tuesday. And there's no late projects. It's not only a finished task, there is a fixed time. He says, every man's works be made manifest for the day. The day shall declare it. A fixed time. You see, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. We don't die because we get old. We don't die because we get sick. We don't die because we meet an unfortunate accident. I thought I was going to die two nights ago. I was, I was, I was driving down um, 30th Street past the soccer fields, and a car pulled out of the soccer fields right in my path. I was going 55 miles an hour. I mean, just right in my path. I thought for a split second that it was final exam day for me. I came inches from it all being over. 
We don't know, but we don't die because we come to a situation like that. We die because it's appointed unto men once to die. Job said, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? See, God already has it fixed. There's a time to be born and a time to die. You have a birthday, but you also have a death day. We don't know when it is, but it's already fixed. There's a fixed date, a fixed moment for this class to end. A finished task, a fixed time, a final test. In verse 13, he says that the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. A final test. Oh, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart, the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Some of you back in September and October thought this week would never come. <laughs> in some ways, you wondered if it would come because you were just hoping it would come. Others of you thought, I got plenty of time. I got time to do that project. I got time to read the Old Testament. It's not that long. <laughs> I've got time to read those 600 pages. I got an assignment when I was in college in Baptist history to read 600 pages of Baptist history. I thought, no big deal. 600 pages. That's not a lot. I went to the library the night before it was due. And I said to the librarian, she said, what can I do for her? I said, I need a book on Baptist history. Where's the section on Baptist history? She, she, she pointed. <laughs> I went to that section. There were lots of volumes, and all of them were really thick. And so I chose the thinnest one. It was about that thick by Thomas Armitage. I pulled it out. It was not only thick, it was large <laughs> and thick. But I only need 600 pages. So I'm carrying it over to a table, hoping there's lots of pictures about Baptist history. And I remember setting that book down on that table, and it had three columns on each page. I read two pages, and it was like 45 minutes. And I, I closed it, and I, I took it back, and I, I decided to read a different book. So I put it back, and I pulled out one by B.H. Carroll. And I, I took that over the table and I opened it. It only had two columns per page. I read about 10 of those pages of the 600 required, and it was curfew. <laughs> and I realized that the next day I was either going to have to lie or I was going to have to fail. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, I got plenty of time. I, I, I've got time to worry about the test. I've got time to worry about the judgment. I've got time to worry about meeting God. But it's coming. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And notice not only a finished task and a fixed time and a final test, but it's a fiery trial. It shall be revealed, verse 13, by fire. Interesting grading process here by the instructor. First thing we do when we get your exam, when you turn it in, is not burn it. You wish we would. 
destroy the evidence. I hope you lose it and just have to give me an A. Interesting response by the teacher here. He's going to burn it. We are God's building. And one day our building, whether it's complete or whether it's half done or whether it's built out of wood or whether it's built out of gold, it's going to stand before God. And as this building stands before God, what's God going to do to it? Is he going to blow on it, see if it blows over like the big bad wolf and the three little pigs? Is he going to take a hammer and tap on the side of it to see what it sounds like? Is he going to shake the ground underneath it? No, the Bible says he's going to burn it. He's going to set it on fire. Our God is a consuming fire who can stand before the Lord, for he is as a refining fire. He's going to burn your building. And we see, fifthly, a faced truth. In verse 13, the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, at this point, we realize that not all that we've built is going to survive. Most exams that were handed in last hour didn't get everything right. At least not in my class. I've already graded them. No one got 100%. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, fire. It's obvious that not all is going to pass this test. Not all is going to survive this final exam because the grading is with fire. And the materials are gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. We're all aware of the horrific fire that went through the little city of paradise a few weeks ago. Basically, everything in that town of paradise is now gone. The fires came through at those high winds and quickly destroyed buildings and properties. Many lost their lives. Others had to flee and leave it all behind. I was following that story because I had preached up there the week that the fire started in Sacramento, and many of the pastors that were there in that retreat had come from areas around the fire. It was only about 50 miles from where we were, and 
and uh, so they, we were all talking about it, of course, and we were concerned about one of our alumni who had parents living in paradise. And, and we were concerned about people that they knew and we knew, and, and uh, we were talking about this fire. And so I was following it on my, on my phone with some of the news uh, uh, apps that I have, and I was just kind of reading some of the stories about these people and kind of keeping track of it. Brother Rule, of course, there at Pleasant Valley was housing some people in their gymnasium and tr trying to just kind of keep up with all of that. A story emerged from that fire that was quite interesting to me. As many of you know, most of the people in paradise are retirement age and older folks. And there was one particular couple, they had realized that the fire was engulfing the city and came on very quickly, 70 mile an hour winds. They really didn't have a chance to be warned much. And all of a sudden, everybody has to evacuate. And it came so fast that many were not even able to get into their cars. They just had to run. And this particular couple, they, they, they realized they needed to get out. And so they, 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 they quickly ran out the front door of their house. They saw the fire coming. They began to run. And they fled to a, a shelter. They got there unharmed. And when they got to the shelter, they're sitting there and just, you know, very thankful, of course, to be alive and thankful, but everything else they, they left, their car, their, their home, all their possessions, all in that house. And the lady, as she was looking down, she noticed that her, her wedding ring and engagement ring, her diamond, was gone. And she immediately knew what had happened when they decided to leave, she was doing the dishes. And a lot of ladies take their diamond off when they do their dishes because it, it's loose and it, it might slip off and go down the drain. More than one wife has lost a diamond that way. More than one husband has had to pay for two. But, but she, she always took her ring off and put it there on the, on the counter. Ladies even have little, little dishes there. They put their rings in. And, and she was doing the dishes when they decided to flee. And she suddenly realized, I left my ring. And of course, that ring, you know, it... It symbolizes everything you are when you're married. I mean, it just, it, when you look at it, it brings back all those memories. I've been married 45 years. This is the same ring. I've worn it for 45 years. And uh, so th this, this ring really just kind of represents everything about your marriage. It, it just represents your relationship with your wife. And uh, so she realized she'd left her ring. Well, after the fire passed, and of course, people began to be able to go back and see if anything was left or they could recover anything of their possessions. This man went back and they showed the picture of this man standing in his house. There's nothing there. The walls aren't there. There's no furniture. There's nothing but ashes. And he's standing in about three or four inches of ashes. Charred ruins. And he's standing there and he's holding the ring. He went back and he went to the location in the house where the kitchen sink would have been. And he began to search through the charred remains to see if he could find something that remained. Something very specific. His wife's wedding ring. And he found it in perfect condition. Why? Because when fire hits gold, it only refines it. 
When you put silver in fire, it, it removes the dross. It actually becomes better. You see, the gold and the silver and the precious stones, they remain after the exam. But the wood, the hay, the stubble of our life, it's gone. And I want you to see finally here a fitting thanks. In verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's works be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I'm glad we don't lose our salvation no matter how we go through the course of Christianity. And you might think, well, I don't really care if I, if I get anything out of Christianity. I, mean, I, I don't really care. Some of you have taken some courses this semester and you kind of gave up on October 1st. You thought, I, I'm not going to pass this. I, 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 there's no way I can get that project done. There's no way that I can read all those pages. There's no way that I can pass this. But I, I'll just stay in and see what happens. And, you know, I'll just resign myself that, you know, I'm, I'm going to do badly. I, I, but it's okay. I, 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 I don't care if I get a good grade or not. I, I really, it doesn't matter matter to me. I'm just here for a semester. I'm just here for a year. I'm just here to get married or I'm just here to, to, to please my parents. And I don't, I don't care whether I pass or not. And you might look at Christianity that way. You might think, well, I, you know, it doesn't really matter. I, I'm saved. That's all that matters. I'm going to heaven. So I, I, don't, I don't care if I, if, I, if I lose some rewards. I, I don't care if some stuff gets burned up from my life. I, I, I just, you know, I just, I'm, I'm saved and, and I enjoy my flesh a little bit and I enjoy some things in the world a little bit and, and I'm just not ready to, to really be committed to Christ. So I'm saved. That's, that's all I care about. I don't, I don't care if I get any rewards. But you don't understand. We don't keep the rewards. You see, the rewards become a fitting thanks to the one who provided the foundation. The Bible says in Revelation 4, they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and power and blessing, for Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. We're not going to strut around heaven with our crowns. We're, we're not going to be walking around heaven saying, hey, look what I got. Boy, you didn't, you, Isaiah, you really blew it, man. You didn't get much. You got a lousy crown there. Look at mine. It sparkles. I got lots of jewels in my crown. I even got two. I got an extra one. No, that's not what we do with our crowns. The Bible says if we receive a reward for anything that we've built in this course, at that moment, we give it to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's worthy to receive glory, honor, power, and blessing. We give that as our thanks back to him. You see, Christianity is God's gift to you through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How you built how you perform in the course is your gift to him. I'm sorry Christianity 901 didn't make it onto your portal. Your grade won't show up on your transcript. But God is grading us every day. 
Are you reading the text? Or are you behind on your reading? Have you spoken to the teacher lately? Did you talk to him this morning? Have you worked on your projects? Or have you kind of let soul-winning slip? Well, I'm in college. I've got to pay my school bill. I, I haven't been tithing. Are you working on your projects? Don't miss any class time. Don't plagiarize someone else's work. Determine, regardless of what your GPA is here at West Coast, that you're going to graduate from Christianity 901 with honors. Well done. Oh, that WD degree, that's a good one. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. What would your grade look like in Christianity 901 if God called for the final exam today? Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we're kind of well aware this week that how we've been doing the last 14 weeks is being revealed now this week on a piece of paper called the final exam. And I'm sure even as teachers, sometimes we look back and think, boy, I, I, didn't, I didn't teach this very well. I, I, didn't, I didn't give my best here. And I know as students, we, we sense that at final exam week. Boy, I wished I'd, I wished I'd read that chapter. I wish I'd studied th those part of the notes. I, I, I wish I'd gotten that project in. I wish I hadn't missed all those classes. It's hurting me now. Lord, may we realize that we're enrolled in a, in a very important course. The moment we got saved, we enrolled. Lord, this course may last 50 years. It may last longer. It may last much shorter. Lord, one day there will be a week just like this week, a final exam week. And we won't be able to put any work in late. We won't be able to change much. We will give an answer for what we built. So help us tonight to take a look at where we stand on the portal. And may we make some decisions about our coursework even today. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The piano begins to play. God's speaking to your heart. There's still time in Christianity 901 to alter your study habits to get those projects done. Don't wait until the final exam to wish you had. Talk to the professor right now. He'd like to hear from you. If you haven't talked to him in a while, that's okay. 
He's in his office. He's available. He'd like to hear from you.